Welcome to another episode of What the Shuck, the podcast. I'm Muddy River Sports Editor Matt Shuckman, and this is a podcast where anything can be said and anything goes. And with the Hall of Famer seating, sitting next to me, anything is possible. Welcome, KHQA Sports Director Chris Dewar. I've missed you, Matt Shuckman. It's been a while because it, you and I have been dealing with a lot of different things uh, away from the world. So, but uh, I missed you. This has been one of the most fun parts of my fall is you and I getting to do this, and I feel like we've both been cheated a little bit. Well, we we have because we we were we were doing a pretty good job of going back and forth with each other's podcast. And then we hit a wall. And we've hit a couple of walls. And when in the last three years haven't we seemingly well, hit a wall on true. something? It's yes. been nuts. But All right, so i got to start here. What in the hell is going on with the ransomware? Are you surviving? Are you okay? Well, I, I'm not really at liberty to say a whole lot. No, I, I, will I, say, I know that. I'm just checking. Are you, I will are, say this. Your sanity okay? Things are starting to get more normal okay, um, on a daily basis. And, and again, our, our deepest apologies to everybody. We're not doing anything that we'd like to be doing right now the way we're typically doing it in what happens to be, Matt, my favorite time of the year. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing that kind of comes crystal clear in all of this that I can say is when you have something happen like this, you're Reminded that KHQA is more than the people whose faces you see every day. It's the people behind the scenes who had a bag of live cobras literally thrown at them <laughs> and have found a way to fight every single day to try to make things happen. And that's what we're doing. Yep. I mean, I, I love the people I work with because they're resourceful and they're, you know, they're 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 warriors. And that's what we're doing. Well, and we're trying to steer the boat towards normal. I just don't know when we're gonna get there, my well, friend. But you're gonna get there. That's the key part of part of all this is. You've been hit, you've been knocked down, you're going to get back up. We're, we're going to do that, and, and and it's too important not to because the job that gets done in this community needs to continue yep. to get done. And you know me, this is, again, my favorite time of the year, so it's felt weird on Fridays not to be able to do typical Friday things. Right. But, again, I have a lot of faith in our, our folks all the way up to the highest levels because they have been really good in triage, essentially technological yeah. triage right now, trying each day to make it a little bit better. Well, let's move on past that and talk to something about something a little more fun. It's playoff time. Oh, it is, thank goodness. Oh, how much fun are we going to have the next couple of weeks, particularly in Northeast Missouri, my friend? Well, isn't it interesting when you start breaking it down and you start looking at the different districts and the seedings and you sit there and go, okay, week one of districts is usually pretty blasé, you know, because you end up with number one seeds playing eight seeds, and then you pretty much know they're going to be blowouts. And if you get a good 4-5 matchup or a good 6-3 matchup, you might get lucky. But for the most part, you're not getting good games until week two or week three, which will be district championships. But the ones looming in week two and week three – could be dynamic. Oh, they, they certainly can. And I, I don't know that we could possibly see a better district anywhere than the potential of a championship game between Hallsville and Bowling Green, as good as those two, two, two teams have been. And, you know, saw last week that, you know, Bowling Green, and I think we all heard from Mark St. Clair. I talked to people that, you know, heard from Mark St. Clair in the game that they turned the ball over three times in the first quarter and yet still beat Cardinal Ritter, which is wow. certainly a credit to who they are at this point. Undefeated going in against an undefeated Hallsville team who we saw, you know, give it to Palmyra in week number one. So, you know, that looms incredibly large. Both, um, both teams gave it to Palmyra. Yes, they did. And that that is, I, I think, the head-to-head -head there with all of that dynamic backfield talent on both sides of the ledger 
looms as, a, as good a district game as you're going to see at any class anywhere in the state if that comes to fruition. Now, I think it will. I'm pretty sure it will. But, right. you know, there's a lot of crazy things that happen, Matt, as you know, when districts roll around. We had one happen with Mark Twain getting their game canceled yeah. by Principia this week. Just now, you know, if you're Austin Leak, what do you do? I mean, you're, you're taking a week away of preparation from a district that isn't exactly easy, you know, going into it. So there, there's all kinds of crazy permutations to all of this. I think what I like about where we're at, even with all of the buys and things that have happened, but if you ask me the five or six best teams right now in Northeast Missouri, you know, you'll list them off, Hannibal, Bowling Green, Mark Twain, North Shelby, Knox County in there a little bit, um, you know, based on the way they've played through some adversity, all of those teams are playing really good football going into the district with the fact that Hannibal might have played its best half of football period last week against Columbia Battle, talking to everybody that I talked to. Yeah. So they're all really well positioned going into this thing, which is why I think a lot of the eggs in the basket this year are going the Northeast Missouri route because those teams are proven commodities. They all have something special to them and now we get to see how good their good really is who is your surprise district champion in three weeks oh man i i don't know i you know i i think you know i i, I don't i don't know that you can take mark twain for granted if you're monroe city i i just i just don't think you can because they play a style of keep away that's that's so difficult um i i would think the team that would loom the largest mat if they pull it off would be palmyra because I still haven't totally lost faith in Palmyra, and I know a trip to Maryville is a pain, and it's it, it's but but there's a team. How that's, in the world is that a district? Uh, that is the silliest bit of geography I have ever seen Misha do, and realize the 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 weight and gravity of that statement because we've seen some odd districts over the yes. years. But um, that that's a team that I still haven't written off, and I know it's been a rough, weird year. But it is Kevin Miles. It sure. is a loaded defense that still has all state caliber guys in play. And if they can get reasonably healthy, and man, does any team need a bye week more than Palmyra right now, that they're a really interesting team moving forward. So I I think that's really interesting. I'm really interested to see what Highland does as well now in a different district, away from that Monroe City Mark Twain power base, absent now the best wide receiver in maybe school history, or at least since Jarrell Humphrey was there, uh, you know, with what Devin Stutzman was able to do. Breaking his leg, unfortunately, and in a, in a, he made an unbelievable play uh, to to take away a touchdown from Monroe City. Came down, and I thought when I was standing in the corner where he was, I ha- thought they heard him ask, "Was it his knee? Did it pop?" I found out the next day from Ronnie Richardson that he actually had broken his leg on the play. So, oh, um, wow. you know, that is a huge piece out of the puzzle well, for an offense that's been incredibly dynamic. Watching that game when I saw them ha- carry him off the field. And there was no pressure being put on that. They literally lifted him up and carried him off the field. You knew it was bad. It, it was bad, and and you kind of sensed it, and you kind of sensed from the fact that maybe you know that team had kind of lost its focus from that point forward too, because they were fighting very hard. And I thought they did try to get back a little bit afterwards, but you could tell everybody on the field who knew what Highland's expectations were, right. particularly those kids who knew what a critical role Devin had played for them this year. They kind of knew, and you could see the air go even further out of their tires in a game that they were already losing at that point. But they've got time to regroup. And they still have receivers. And they still have receivers. Yeah. And, and, and they've got playmakers. And, if you know, 
And if they don't throw the ball all over the place, they still got Robert Gale to hand the ball to. They do, and their offensive line is healthy and together. And if you looked yesterday at the honors squad for the Clarence Cannon, it's an indictment on how good that line has gotten. You and I have talked for years yep. that you know Highland has always had some level of skill position talent. They now finally have the linemen to make something right. stand up, and and obviously that's a really good group. So I, I think that's you know I, I again if there's one place you can weather an injury in your Highland, it, it's probably at wide receiver. You don't want to lose your alpha, which they did, but they have really good receivers. Do you follow Highland coach Dave DeGarmo on Twitter? I do. Uh, I love the fact that he gives his lineman bacon. I was going to bring that. Is there any better award for your lineman of the week than a slab of bacon? That is the greatest thing I have ever seen because who among us, A, who is a, you know, Larger than usual eater. <laughs> That'd be me. Uh, who doesn't love bacon? Um, and yeah. that, that is that is the coolest thing. Uh, you know, and that's just part of the fun of having Dave DeGarmo be a part of this. He's done so many neat, you know, to some degree it's a lot like, it, it's a little different than maybe the way that Brad Dixon went about it. But in this right. day and age, you have to incentivize you know, practice and the the art of it for kids in every way. And those two guys, Brad Dix and Dave DeGarmo, do a really good job of it for their players, which is why I think you're seeing a culture spring up in Ewing that wasn't there before. Okay, you bring up Brad Dixon's name. As we roll into the Illinois side of things with the first round of the playoffs games this weekend, are we staring at a Central Carrollton state semifinal matchup? I think we are, I, and I think that's been inevitable probably since week one yeah. now that we've seen where they're at. And, you know, this is a better Central team, and it's a better Carrollton team right. the second time around. What that means when they actually play again, because, you know, quite frankly, I don't think I don't think there's any team in class one or two in the state that you could spot a 22-point lead to in the fourth quarter that Carrollton's not going to finish right now. So it's going to have to be a much more complete effort for yeah. Camp Point Central if they get there and run across them again. But again, you're looking at a team that has had enormous development at quarterback during the course of this year, Correct. that it has broadened an already very deep running back core, that has seen a veteran offensive line shine all year long and get better. And to me, the most important thing that has happened for Camp Point Central is that their defense collectively has gotten better from front to back. So there are a lot of nice pieces working for Camp Point Central that would lead you to believe that, that if that is the semifinal we see, they're going to have more than a puncher shot to take out Carrollton. And man, what a great testament that is to the W. WIVC that that's where we're at again and for all yeah. these years the WIVC is again flexing its muscle as one of the preeminent small school conferences anywhere in the state of Illinois well I think a lot of people were were surprised and shocked a little when Carrollton lost in week one but to then see what the Hawks have done since then kind of reminded everybody why they were so highly regarded in the preseason with the depth of talent they had returning um, and I can't rave enough about the play of Central's line. That group of seniors who are so experienced, who had been through the wars, are showing why it pays to have experience up front. It really does. And and you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You know the best Camp Point Central teams have always been line-driven. They may not, you know, they're a little different than the old school, you know, Carthage teams and, the, the you know, the, the West Prairie La Harpe teams that we saw because there is massive size up there. They've done a really good job cultivating linemen that look like linemen, not 180-pound kids doing things. But the execution level, and, you know, it all goes back to the same root teaching, somewhere you can draw the line all the way back to, you know, the Jim Unruh era and 
and what right. they've done, but we've evolved it into bigger, more mobile, and linemen that run really well as well. That's the other thing. You know, when, when Brad Dixon starts, and you if you follow him on Twitter, you know, when he starts talking about dynamic mobility, he's not talking about his backs. He's talking no. about everybody. It's linemen that run like linebackers, which with what they do, you want to get people out in front of those really quick backs, and they've done a really good job of doing that this year. Anyone who saw Keaton Dickhoot intercept a pass and return at 50 yards for a touchdown last week understands what that means when you when one of your defensive linemen can make a play like that. Yeah, he's a pretty special talent, and I don't know that people have talked enough about how good he's been. But with Camp Point Central, it's always so much about the collective, you know, be, right. because there are so many guys and because there's really not a stat pattern usually in the, you know, in the mix for Brad. So it's just not the way he runs his offense. When his offense is best, everybody's had a hand in. So, you know, and that's a credit to Coach Ray, moving the ball around and, you know, taking advantage of people. But, again, you touched on it with that defense. We're starting to see them make better plays than they did early in the season. Brown County went through a funk. They Obviously, did. injuries played a, played a big role in that. Um, Unity Payson has made strides in the first year under Matt Woodworth. Both of those teams go on the road on Saturday. Right. Do either come home with a victory? I, I don't I don't want to, you know, it's it's a tough spot for Unity Payson, but I don't want to dismiss their talent count. Right. Um, you know, based on some things that we've seen and that they have guys that, you know, can make plays in a lot of different ways. You know, you throw a Riker triplet into the mix, and, you know, again, he seems to have a nose for it. And anybody who doesn't understand how big a win that was over Winchester West Central, that's a really good class no one football question. team. Um, so, yeah, I like their upset chances probably better than Brown County at this point, just because I don't know that we're still seeing Brown County right. find its way. And I don't know that we've seen Brown County this year find its way to Max Q at any point. And it's it's getting late early, you know, to, to quote the late, the, the late great Yogi Berra. So, you know, it, it better happen now for Brown County. Uh, do I dispute that Brown County has the talent to pull it off? No, but we just haven't seen it all in sync right. yet this season at any point. A name I'm going to throw at you from, from my conversations uh, with the Unity Paysonites. Brian Deeker. Yeah, they, and, and I got that as well from the beginning of the season that he might be the best linebacker on this side of the river yep. this year with his ability to just innately make plays. And that's what he's done from the jump start. And he's not a finished product by any way, shape, or form. But if I'm a guy who's looking long range, I mean, I, I think you and I can both agree that there is one linebacker that stands above all others this year in Keaton Pennewell. Yes. But no I would say Brian Teeker is that is probably number two with a bullet, and right. he's proven it every week. And there's just no quit in that kid. And he goes and he goes, and you know you got Mr. Mugi up in front of him and Mr. Triplet up in front of him, right. who you know are really good players in their own right. I love that unity pace and defense, which is why I think they have a really good chance to to maybe go and pull that upset off on the road. I agree. And another team that surprisingly sitting at six and three got a home game, and it, and should take full advantage of it is Quincy Notre Dame, which takes on Bethalto Civic Memorial on Friday night. Which, uh, you know, first of all, doesn't this feel like a and d spot? Friday night when everybody else is playing on Saturday, yep. maybe a little higher regarded with their record than another 6-3 and three team would be because people know the reputation of Q&D football and afforded a chance to maybe, you know, atone for that three-week run where nothing went right. right. Um, this feels like a really... Q&D type spot for them. And I, I think they have a phenomenal chance to go and get that win on Friday, build a little momentum, have eight days to come back and figure out how to get it done. I mean, the root premise with Q&D hasn't changed much for us, Matt. We know who they are and we know who they aren't. And as long as they can steer an opponent to playing to their strengths, 
I think they've got a pretty good chance, you know, to play with anyone. It's when they get, you know, in these games where they're turning the ball over and they're giving teams opportunities, you know, when it's clean Q&D football, it's really good. Right. Well, and it, it all starts for them on the defensive end. Uh, their offense is solid. Calvin Lavery has had some ups and downs, but you, you see the progression he's made. And certainly the last two weeks, he's looked better. But anything and everything starts with that defense. That defense has to set the tone. It does. And you know what, though? They had been on the field an awful lot over the course of that slump. Oh, yes. you know, and, and because, you know, and I, I, you know, you go back to some of those games and you watch that defense play its tail off and have to go right back onto the field when they couldn't get anything going. So I, I think something rhythmic has to continue to happen with that offense. They're a team that has to be fully in sync to yeah. be effective to win this time of year. But how interesting would it be week two, QND at SHG? I think that would be, you know, first of all, I think, you know, I, I've had the conversation with Kenny Leonard where he says one of the things that was missing, and this was prior to them playing Quincy High, uh -huh. one of the things that was missing in his career that he really wanted to do all these years was play against Quincy High and Q&D. Yeah. Well, that would be fantastic. I don't know that it's a great matchup for right. Quincy Notre Dame, particularly for that defense, but... You know, you're going to talk about a game that's going to have a lot of attention around the state because those are two pristine gold plate programs. So, yeah, I, I think that would be super fun, at least from the outside looking in. I wouldn't want to be Jack Cornell trying to scheme things up against SHG, that's for sure. But, of course, you want to be because that means right. you're still alive. And should that come to fruition, a really cool storyline will play out. Mark McDowell, yes. principal at Quincy Notre yes. Dame. His son, Connor, who has been a beast as a defensive end, uh, for the Raiders and a really solid special teams player, will be going up against his two cousins. Right. Two, yes. two wide receivers on SHG are the sons of Chris McDowell, a doctor in the Springfield area, and Mark's older brother. Could make for a really interesting uh, little storyline to that game. I think I'll probably be reading about that in Muddy River Sports at some point, might, might I not? You just, you just <laughs> might. You just never know. You just never know. Hey, we have to celebrate the St. Mary's Mafia when we can. As well you should. Because uh, Chris McDowell and I were in the same class at St. Mary's, and obviously Mark a few years younger than us. But uh, you got to celebrate the... Uh, the great school mafia. And what great people, just away from football, period. And, and yeah. you know, obviously, you know, uh, what a force for education at Quincy Notre Dame Mr. McDowell has been. So that, that's a really cool storyline as well. You're, you are absolutely correct, sir. Well, it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, it's going to be a fun weekend to see how it all plays out. And, and when we and the, I'm not going to have you break it down because I'm going to be taping another podcast to break down the QU Truman game. Okay. But that's a big game on the weekend. In Kirksville at Stoke Stadium. Do you know anybody who perchance might be a Truman insider who could give you some insight and help in that endeavor? Just maybe. <laughs> just just possibly. But, but uh, I do have uh, your guy, Zach Richardson, yes, coming, oh. in, coming in to break it down with me uh, on another podcast. To, to break down the matchup of his alma mater against uh, one of the schools he now covers. As, if memory serves and walking by his Truman littered desk every day is a reminder, <laughs> yes, he might have had a very nice cup of coffee in Kirksville as a player. Uh, and what a great dude Zach is. Just I, I can't wait for you to get in here and get a chance to kick it around with, with yeah. him a little bit because he is just so much fun to have around and what a positive force for energy. And, you know, he may tell you that, you know, Louisiana might have a chance this weekend on the road, uh, yeah. you know, at four 
four and five, one of the most surprising four and five teams True. in our area this year, True. might have a chance to do a little district damage and be around for another week. Well, and, and I, I might have picked up a few things uh, from Taylor Kilday's dad, too. <laughs> so. You just never know. <laughs> oh, I can't, I, that will be must-listen, my friend. So uh, Can't wait to break it down with Zach. And uh, always, thank you for coming in and joining me. On another episode of What the Shuck. Oh, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Always enjoy the time. And when, when we're back up and functioning, let's get it going again. Yes. Hopefully that's not, uh, you know, not after basketball season well, at the let, rate the let, world's going. Let's hope if everything goes smooth that we can do this throughout basketball season. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thanks, brother.